Signs of the times are all around us, are they not? All the people said, we are very fortunate people to be on the cusp of the Lord returning. And uh, it's good that we keep our eyes open and ready. I'm going to uh, talk today about, um, well the title of the talk is Make Your Bed. I hope that uh, you're going to enjoy it as much as I had of putting it together. I'm going to quote from a uh, very senior officer in the United States Army. Uh, this man was, um, uh, I don't know his full title, but he made a comment. He was talking to some students from colleges who were in their, uh, just finishing their final year, about to go out in the big wide world, you know, when they get their hats on and they throw them in the air and so on. And he starts off a big speech, a talk of about 10 minutes, talking about the army and how tough people had to be. And his opening statement was, do you realize that even the toughest members of the military are first judged by the way they make their beds? He said, if you don't get it right, you're in all sorts of trouble, you know, peeling potatoes and all sorts of stuff. And if you turn up to the roll call without having made your bed, you're in even more trouble. He said, and we learnt a great thing from that. We learnt that do the first thing right, have respect to the first thing you do, make sure you get that right, and the rest of the day will be a lot better for you than if you didn't worry about the first thing during the day. Now... I don't make our bed, uh, Mary makes our bed, and there's a reason for that. I never went to the army and got trained on how to make my bed, uh, and I'm sticking to that excuse. I think Mary's tried to teach me a couple of times, but uh, yeah, I'm a slow learner, that's the way things are. Um, when we were growing up through our teenage years, of course, and mum said, you make your bed before you come out and have your breakfast. I don't know how many times I did that, but I'm sure it wasn't many. Um and then, of course, when Dad came home at night, if we hadn't made our bed, then there was all sorts of strife. So we learnt to make our bed, even though it was rough. To me, making the bed in the morning was a waste of time because the first thing I did when I got home after work was go to bed. I wanted to lie down. I was just going to make it a mess again, wasn't I? So the bed rarely got made anyway. However, if I'd had... Uh, good training in these things, and I'm not criticising my parents at all, it was totally my own lack of understanding about discipline and so on, then I may have made a better fist of things in my life. The guy's conclusion about all these things that he spoke about at the beginning of his talk was, if you get the small things right and the first things right, then it sets you up for a good day. You've learned already, I've got to get my bed made. And then when you go and have your breakfast, you know, you've got to eat your breakfast, you've got to eat it the right way and so on. Uh, I know our brother Mark Hardy over in Western Australia now, when he came to the Lord in Wyala, he used to have his evening meal. Uh, he was staying at one of the sisters' houses and he used to eat his mashed potatoes with his hand. He said, I've never used a fork. What's this thing you've given me here? Anyway, eventually he learned to do these things. When we join the Lord's army, there are some first things that we should do. And I'm going to go through some of those things towards the end of the talk here. We're going to have a bit of a lead up here. Getting your bed made, getting the first things done, 
the most important things done at your work, for example, it shows maturity and it shows respect. In the case of the bed making, respect for the parents, respect for your brothers or your sisters who might be sharing a room with you there, those that you live with. For the younger ones, you train them how they should be. And if you aren't being very good, then you'll train them in the same sort of way. Let's open to Matthew chapter 13. I looked this scripture up today. Uh, After I thought about this particular thought here about getting the first things right and the the wonderful um, effect it can have on other people when we do get the first things right. Matthew chapter 13. We're going to read just two verses, verse 31 and verse 32. Getting there? That's good. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all seeds, but when it is grown it is the greatest among herbs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches thereof. I thought, this is a great scripture. And for the church, of course, we know it means this is the word of God that has been sown. And if someone uh, receives the word of God and it grows in their life, they're allowed to grow in their life, then their life can be something which people can come to. That life grows and spreads to other people. And these are the birds that come and lodge in the tree of the Lord. He's planted the seed, we allow it to grow, and people can come to the Lord because of that. But it also means that if we are a good leader and we are abiding by the gospel principles, then the people we teach will become good leaders. They will produce mustard trees. And so that is why we have leaders that we have. And it is a leader's role to make sure that they are being a good mustard seed and getting sown properly. Sound advice produces sound people. And so here we have this thing reproducing itself. There are many, many other things you do. Uh, that Jed and Briar say when they um, got married, they didn't really know how to live in the way of a, a gospel family, scriptural family in that particular way. And um, they thought, well, we'll watch some of those people that have been around for a while. We'll see what they do. And they copied them. And that's how they've become strong in the things of the Lord. Um, we have a cat at home. We have two cats, as I tell my story from time to time. There's a black and white one that wouldn't get up to move across the room if you didn't have to because he was hungry. And then there's a, a little kitten now, uh, six months old. And you can't train this cat to do anything, I thought. But my wife has trained this cat. It's amazing. She goes and sits down in the chair, have her breakfast. The cat comes, not to her, but goes to a special little thing we've got. So I can sit and she puts a little piece of food on the top of this thing there, and the cat climbs up the thing and gets the food. And then it'll turn around and look out for her for another one. And then she'll do it again. And not until she's done maybe the third thing, the cat thinks that's all I'm going to get and comes away. And then she has this old roll, uh, sort of a, a thing that you roll paper around, and she's cut a hole in it and taped up the ends, and she puts some of these treats in that. 
and she rolls it across the ground, and the cat knows where the treats are. So the cat chases the, the roll around the house, knocking it here, hoping a little treat will come out. It's a lazy cat. It knocks it two or three times and just gives up until Mary says, oh, come on, you can do better than that, and it goes back over and tries again, sort of thing, you know. And eventually gets all the seeds. So you can train cats. One person said once training pastors was like herding cats. I think that, that is very true, but perhaps if you fed us good things, we might be, no, but go there. Okay. Go with me to Luke's chapter 16, please. Here's another example of um, this being a good example. Luke 16. In verse 10 to 12, we're going to read. He that is faithful, the word he, by the way, is a, just not a non-sexist term, it's just that person, that is faithful in that which is least, is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least, is unjust also in much. If therefore you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, that's the small things of this world, your work and all that sort of stuff, who will commit to your uh to so who will commit your trust to your trust the true riches if you have not been faithful in that which is another man's who shall give you that which is your own that which you you um uh, uh, actually get through inheritance or whatever this is a great scripture again it's talking about honoring our bosses at work it's talking about honouring our government when it has the right intentions for us here. It's also talking about honouring our parents, honouring our seniors. It's also talking about honouring our children. It's a circular type thing. Because if you can't be trusted to obey your parents who you can trust, how can you trust God who you can't see? Yeah, Your parents are there. I'm talking to all these oldies. There's only a couple of kids up the back there. But anyway, you know what it's like. Your parents were there, and if you couldn't trust them, well, you're in all sorts of trouble. I put my hand up. That's why I got into all sorts of trouble. COVID rules. There are those that say, I will not put on a mask. You're taking away my right to make my own decisions. Interesting. They complain that their personal freedoms are being affected and yet they don't consider that the personal freedom of others makes them get infected because of your behaviour. And so these are things which we would look at those people and we do with people being on the news and stuff, people who sneak across the border and say, what are they doing? And if we're trying to find a job and we're doing things like that, we're not going to get one. And that's according to the scripture here in Luke. But regarding our spiritual responsibilities, our spiritual health, getting the first things correct is a thing which sets us up not only for a good spiritual day or a good spiritual week, but also for a good first resurrection. When the first resurrection comes around, and it will, we want to be there. We're going to look at some scriptures about that. Let's go to First John chapter 2, please. I love these passages in John, as most of you know. They're just so logical and they follow simple steps, and that's what I need. We'll go to First um, John 
and we're going to look here at um, chapter 2, and we're going to look in verse 24. He's been through lots of stuff before this. This is after he's talking and so he comes to a conclusion. He says, let that therefore abide in you. The word means continue in you, remain in you, which you have heard from the beginning. Okay? Do the things which you've heard from the beginning. It's in First John, by the way, not the Gospel of John. First John is towards the end of your Bible, Revelation, and you go back a few books and get Third John, Second John, First John. What you heard from the beginning, continue in those things. For us, repent, get baptized, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Continue in that. Don't change it. That was at the beginning here when the first church was established. It got planted there in Acts chapter 2. And this was the advice given to them. And so we're going to let that continue. And all the people said, we won't change that. If that which you have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, abide in you, continue in you, it says, you also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. So if you let that abide in you, which you've heard from the beginning, then you also shall continue and remain in the law. If you don't let those remain in you, then you will slip off the edge. Praise the Lord. Of course, many slip off the edge, but many stay. And all the people said, who's been in the Lord for over 10 years? Who's been in the Lord less than 10 years? Not many, but there's a few. Praise the Lord. It's great to continue in the Word of God. It's such security, such a strength, such sensibility we have from the Word of God. Let's read on. Verse 25. And this is the promise that he has promised us, even eternal life. That's been promised to us. So first things first, let that abide in you, which you've heard from the beginning. Result, the promise he has promised us is eternal life. And so as a result of letting that which have received from the beginning abide in us, we will receive eternal life. Because part of that said, don't leave the word. Stick with it. Verse 26. These things have I written unto you concerning them which seduce you. Who's been tried to, people tried to talk them out of following the Lord? Family. They might not do it openly, but they do it slowly. Oh, we're having an event on Sunday. At such and such a time, you know I can't come on Sunday. But they'll try and change things. Oh, but dear, we miss you. You're going to keep missing me. It's so important that we see our communion meeting and the other meetings which we have as being important to get to, to be taught by those things which we hear. There are people who want to seduce us and they don't know that it's wrong. They're just being the best people they can because they think we're in some sort of cult. It's fascinating. Verse 27. He now answers the question here, I've written unto you concerning them that seduce you. There are people who are trying to teach you something else. He says, but the anointing which you have received of him abides in you. The anointing is the Holy Spirit, of course. 
that anointing abides, lives, remains in you. And you need not that any man teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you of all things and is truth and is no lie, and even as it is taught you, you shall abide in him. If you let God's word teach you, if you let the Holy Spirit teach you and guide you, you will abide in him. It's a simple lesson from this thing here. It's our purpose. We have a purpose for preaching the word of God to each other. We have a purpose for coming here. We have a purpose for bringing up our children in the way that we would like them to live and so forth and so on. I was listening to a little cafe night from uh, Wellington, from the Welly Felly last night, and uh, there's one young lady up there, got up there to bring her testimony, uh, 17. And I think back to when I was 17, and I couldn't speak very sort of, what's the word, coherently, or uh, she put this together really, really well, and she had a great confidence about the things that she was saying. It's an amazing thing, because in the fellowship, our children are given an opportunity to be heard and to talk and to ask questions and to listen to answers and so forth, and we train them in the way that they should go. It's such a confident little talk there, fantastic. It then goes on to say in verse 28, and now little children, he uses the term quite often in this epistle, Abide in him, live in him, remain in him, that when he shall appear, now there's not a question about the fact that he will appear, just and when, we know he is coming, when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If we make our bed properly, we won't be ashamed when mother comes in to check it. If we live our life correctly, we won't be ashamed when the Lord returns. Praise the Lord. Verse 29. If you know that he is righteous, if you understand that he is righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. The word know here is used in John chapter 14, the Gospel of John chapter 14. In that day you shall know that I am in the Father, the Father is in me, and we have come to make our abode in you. It's the same word. So we know, we'll do it again, if you if you know that he is righteous, you know, that word there, that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. What is, what's he talking about here? Doing righteousness. What is What is that? Doing righteousness is doing what Jesus said. There's no other way to be righteous. If we do what we think is right, and it's contrary to his word, then it's unrighteousness. If we do righteousness, we're going to be there when the Lord returns. So, where does righteousness start? Righteousness started with Jesus Christ. When he died, he rose again. He followed his Father's will 100%. He gave his whole life a ransom for us that we might have the very same thing which he had. He, of course, was the Holy Spirit. He had the Holy Spirit because he was the Holy Spirit and so on. Now, we know that he is right. And if we follow him, we are also going to be right. So the anointing is in us. That is what righteousness starts with. Baptism is righteousness. Receiving the Holy Spirit is righteousness. Walking on is righteous. And they things make us righteous. Okay, First John, 
chapter 3. Look at three verses. Behold. Now I can have a glimpse. I can have a glimpse of Pastor Chad. That's right. He's my friend. I know. Have a glimpse at you. Etc. Etc. Or I can behold. Now behold means, well I don't want to behold Pastor Chad right now. That might embarrass him and, and even me. But it's like, boy that finds the right girl and he beholds her and he watches her and he does some summing up in his own mind. He listens to her. He analyzes what she says and see how she behaves and hopefully she's doing the same thing. So they behold. They look and say, that's all right. And we are told to behold the Lord, aren't we? Look at him. Decide who he is. Similar sort of word is used in 1 John chapter 1, that which is from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen, which we have looked upon, which we have beheld. Same sort of idea there. We actually looked at him, we analysed him, we thought about him. What is he saying? What does it mean? How does it affect me? And we are told now, behold, look at this, rip this apart, see what you think of this. What manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, he's bestowed it upon us. He's bestowed it upon us. It's like you get bestowed with a medal. Someone gets the Victoria Cross. They get this thing bestowed upon them for a particular reason. That we should be called the sons of God. Now, that freaks me out. What manner of love is it? that we should be called the sons of God. I mean, I look at Pado, and I can understand. I look at other people, and I think, oh, I'm not sure about that. Sorry, Pado, I'm doing for you. We have been made sons of God. The word sons is used because Jesus was the son, and we have been put into his class, his category. He died for us, and so we belong to him. He's made us his children. God has made us his children, brothers and sisters with Jesus Christ. What manner of love is this? Not a natural love, is it? It's not a natural love. It's an incredible love. It's different. Therefore, the world knows us not because it knew him not. It didn't know Jesus, didn't understand him, they crucified him, and therefore the world doesn't know us, they don't understand us. And that's, of course, why people get critical, why they call us a cult, why this, why that, and so on. It's why there aren't more people here, because people make a natural summation of things. The incredible love, the type of love that the Lord had for us. Verse 2, Beloved, now are we, in other words, now We are definitely the sons of God. It does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. He's not going to come back looking like gentle Jesus, meek and mild, riding on a donkey. He's not going to be like that. He's not going to be hanging on a cross. He's going to be something we can't even imagine. not even going to let the brain go there. Okay, We are made brothers and sisters with him. The Bible says we shall appear with him in glory, that this body shall be changed into 
a body like his glorious body. That's worth striving for. Every man, every person that has this hope in himself purifies himself even as he is pure. Every man that has this hope in Christ purifies himself even as Christ is pure. We have this hope in Christ. We have this trust in Christ. This is one of the first things, isn't it? This is like making your bed. You get up in the morning and think, what do I believe today? Oh, that guy on the TV last night, he said some good things. Or, uh, oh, Buddha, he said some good things or whatever. Or I heard uh, uh, someone from Tibet, he lives up on a mountain nearby himself. He said some good things. Uh, I'll be a follower of him. No, we don't. Every morning we get up and we say, I believe this. We have this hope in Christ and therefore we purify ourselves. We make sure we do what Christ did because he wants us to be pure so that we're going to meet him in the end. Doesn't mean we're always going to get it right. No, but our every effort is towards that end. John 14. Wanting to be right with God, right towards the Lord, will result in a person doing what is right towards God. In other words, what is right in God's eyes. I just want to make a point here about Jesus' commandment in John chapter 3. You must be born of water and the Spirit. Um, I'm not going to turn to this at the moment, but I've got it here, so I'm just going to read it to you. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, it's called the definite article, the word the, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, that which is born of the Spirit, is spirit. Marvel not that I say you must be born again. The wind blows where it listeth and you hear the sound thereof, but cannot tell where it comes from or whether it goes. So is everyone that is born of the spirit. It's a definite article here. Not just any old spirit, but the spirit. It's talking about the Holy Spirit. In John 14, verse 15, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father he shall give you another comforter, I'm the first one, there's another comforter coming, that he may abide with you forever. This is what Jesus wants. He wants the Father, the comforter, and himself to abide with the person. Even the spirit of truth, not a spirit of truth, or not spirit of a truth, but the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it sees him not, neither knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. Yet a little while the world sees me no more, but you see me, because you, because I live, you shall live also. At that day you shall know, talked about this word before, didn't we? You shall know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. The world is looking for it, for the power of the universe to be in them and they do all sorts of things to get there. But it happens when a person receives the Holy Spirit. All the other things are make, made up of, of man, made up of the opposition. There's one way to find the Father, and that is through the Holy Ghost. John chapter 3, we've already been through that section there. Monks in Tibet are not holy in the Lord's eyes. 
even though many people call them holy. They're not holy. They're doing something which they choose to do, not what God chooses for them to do. Second Peter. Again, back to, uh, towards first John, just before first John is second Peter. Second Peter chapter one. Verse 10. You can read the other verses around it as I talk now. Verse 10 of chapter 1. 2 Peter, make sure not in 1 Peter. Uh, Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. If you do these things, you shall never fall. Of course, you need to read the rest of the chapter to find out what those things are, and even chapter 1 to find out what those things are. To make your calling and elections sure, start with the first things. Start with the first things. First of all, get saved and then walk on. And I'm going to list off a few things. So I hope you've got your finger ready to flick through your Bible. First Corinthians in chapter 12. These are just some, some truths out of the epistles, the letters that are written by the various apostles there. And we need to, uh, Understand that these things are true. So these are first principles as well. Chapter 12 and verse 13. Chapter 12, verse 13. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. It is the spirit, yeah? Baptized into one body. The body, the body of Christ. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and we've been all made to drink of that one spirit. Whether we be from Australia, listening to Max's testimony there, it reminded me of a thing I saw a couple a couple of weeks ago, which I mentioned here, there's two guys sitting there and talking, and the first one says, how you going? The other guy says, not bad. He says, what you been up to? Not much. This is So that's the way he talks. He talks like that bloke talked there. You know, uh, How far is this place? Oh, not far. When are we going? Oh, not long now. And so on. How much were those shoes? Oh, not much. And so on. Whatever. That's the way Australians speak. Max, you're an Australian. Okay. We're all baptized into one body. And all the people said, so wouldn't it be silly for us to try and break that body apart by introducing something other than what these first principles are? So this is one of the things we learned pretty early on, isn't it? That we, we're all one body. doesn't matter what nation we come from. It doesn't matter what our background is, but we're all one body in Jesus Christ. Galatians 3. It does not mean that we bring our um, non-spiritual um, ways into the world. Okay, I don't dress like a hippie anymore. Uh, that's the wrong thing to do. I don't bring my ways in and make it affect everybody else. But we bring scriptural ways in. We're one body, so let's work together to help everybody be that way. Chapter uh, 3 of Galatians, verse 36, verse 26 for you are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. That is the unifying thing. That is the passport which says we're all the one nation. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. That means slave or uh, free person. There is neither male nor female. You are all one in Christ. Now, where those people may have kept those identities to some degree, once they come to the body of Christ, 
they throw off those shackles and we join in one with another. We're all together in this. In verse 29 says, And if you be Christ, then you are Abraham's seed according to the promise. It's the promise that's been given. We're all Abraham's seed. Praise the Lord. Ephesians 4, please. The thing about this nation of ours is that we have to elect our leader, not our leader's already been elected. We have elect, have to elect whether we're going to follow that leader or not. And that leader, of course, is Jesus Christ. Ephesians 4 verse 1, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you, beg you, that you would work worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. Understand what our job is. Understand what our, our guiding principles are. With all lowliness and meekness and long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavouring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. The bond of unity. That's a glue. So sometimes we have to just walk away from an argument, just whatever, perhaps they're having a bad hair day. Or something like that. We want to be peace at peace with each other. Praise the Lord. Philippians chapter one. We're the prisoners of the Lord. So we walk in lowliness and meekness, not puffing ourselves up. We're long suffering towards each other because people are long suffering towards us. We forbear one another because we have love for them. Philippians chapter one and verse twenty seven. Only let your conversation, your manner of life and your conduct be as it becomes the gospel of Christ. And make it fit in with the gospel message that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. That's exactly what we read there in the previous couple of verses. Philippians chapter 3, please. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20. Just over the page. Verse 24, our conversation, our conduct, our manner of life is in heaven from whence also we look for the Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where we're living. That's where we're having our conduct. We conduct ourselves in a way which is going to make it with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's in heaven. That's We don't talk about the rubbish of this world. Sometimes we do, but that's not where we're living. Our manner of life is guided by the scriptures, by the principles of the word of God. First Timothy chapter four. First Timothy chapter four. Verse twelve. Paul the apostle is writing this to Timothy. Let no man despise thy youth or make fun of your youth or treat you as nothing, but be thou an example of the believers. Be just like the older people in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity, every aspect of your life, be the same. Verse 14, Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying of hands of the presbytery. He received the Holy Ghost, and he went out, he received the gift of ministry, or whatever else he received. Don't neglect that gift. For us, let's not neglect the gift of the Holy Ghost, which we have received, and whatever calling we've been given. Second Timothy chapter 1, and he writes something very similar here. Verse 6, Second Timothy 1, verse 6. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. Yeah, Paul says I had something to do with this. I was part of the presbytery. 
We'll put our hands on you. Now stir up the gift. Don't let it die. During this COVID time, we are tempted to say, ah, it's all too tough. It's all too hard. I don't think I'll make much of an effort today sort of idea. Well, we are told, let's stir ourselves up. Let's make sure we're not neglecting that wonderful gift that we have been given. Press on with the Lord. In Hebrews 13, go over there. It says here, Hebrews 13 and verse 5, Let your conversation be without covetousness, selfishness in other words, and be content with such things as you have, for he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. We can go into lockdown if we have to, all the people said. If we have to, for our brothers' and sisters' sakes and for the sake of our society, we'll do that. Whatever we have to do, they're going to bring in marshals next week. There'll be people in every area to make sure everybody's doing what they're supposed to do. Having them in all sorts of places, which we won't be talking about right now, but we'll have marshals here. I don't think they'll have a badge and have a six-gun by their side. But they people who, whose job it will be to say to us, look, you're too close, you're too close. And I guess there might be people here who would be silly enough to say, I'm not going to do what you tell me to do. All the people said, there's not going to be anyone here like they said. We're all going to say, thank you for reminding me. I'll move, I'll do whatever you ask me to do. Because they are the marshals. They are the ones who marshal us. We're going to do that. Don't be covetous. I want my freedom. Well, you getting your freedom means someone else misses out on this. So let's stick to the rules in this particular case. Let's finish in one in one verse of Hebrews chapter 9. This is one of those principles which we must stick to as we come along. This is part of the making our bed. All these things I'm reading, this is how we make our bed so that we can lie in it and so that it's comfortable. And so when we get checked up on, things are how they should be. Hebrews 9 and verse 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience, clean your conscience up from dead works to serve the living God? Your conscience is there, your spirit filled, and God works with you. His mind and your mind work together. So sometimes you think, oh, shouldn't have done that. Oh, that's your conscience. And he purges our conscience to let it be crystal clear so that we then start to do the things that we ought to do or continue to do the things we ought to do. What a wonderful blessing that we have. There is no religion on the face of the earth that does this. But Christianity does it. When you receive the Holy Spirit, it is the most outstanding relationship we can have. All the people see.